0: before we dig into God's word let us take a moment to pray let us pray together come Holy Spirit and soften our hearts to the word of God come Holy Spirit to lead us into greater fullness as the people of God come Holy Spirit with power and deep conviction for we ask it in Jesus name Amen. As we were just reminded by Irene there in our prayer, there's, there's a lot that we are maybe mindful of as we come to church today. Much we could be asking God to, to be involved in and to, to shape and to interact with. I wonder what in the news has caught your attention in the last week or so. Maybe it is the, the SNP race. And, and whether you Uh, are for or against independence you might have noted uh, with some degree of frustration horror even of the treatment that she received because of her Christian faith but maybe it is the anniversary of the Ukraine war that has really caught your attention and how that atrocity still continues on and might well do for some time to come. There is much that might have caught your attention that you would be praying for God to intervene in because he is this incredible God able to do more than we'll ask or imagine. And yet what has probably not caught your attention because you've probably not heard anything about it unless you happen to be on social media at least is what is happening in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a small town of only 3,500 people And yet, in this past week or two, rather, uh, beginning on the 8th of February, something began stirring amongst God's people. Some would put labels on it, like revival. Others would say it is a sovereign outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Something that began with a few students responding to a a short, ill-prepared message uh, during their chapel service that particular day on the 8th of february it's a um, methodist church after all and to get your credits you have to be at chapel three times a week but some students decided to come back and what began on that day was 12 days of night and day prayer and worship building from a few to the thousands that you see in that picture where people would be in prayer, petitioning God, and it wasn 't loud and obnoxious or anything like that it didn 't have a, a preacher standing up front who was getting all the attention. The focus was on jesus and it 's estimated that over the twelve days that it was running like that that something like one hundred thousand people came to that very small town and came to the many places of worship that had to be set up to accommodate people and left people waiting for hours upon hours because they couldn't get in and yet they were willing to wait such was their hunger for God stories are coming out of what has happened of people coming to faith of people being reinvigorated in faith of people only going in for half an hour even after they waited for 12 hours because in that half an hour God met them so powerfully that it changed their life. There are people turning from ways of sin and confessing so publicly. There are people testifying to healing because lives are changing. This isn't the first time that Asbury University, that's the, the name of the university, Asbury University has uh, seen revival. It came in the 1970s as well and from that came a great renewal in the life of the Methodist church. And so naturally people are wondering well what will come now what will come through this as so many people have been touched by god's spirit moving what will the effect be on churches and communities across the world because people from across the nations have traveled to be there Well, who knows that we need to to wait and see but one thing that the event at asbury shows testified and taught by the scriptures time and time again is that when god's spirit is given lives are changed and that's a crucial lesson for us in the west because sadly too often we have reduced our christianity to simply being a set of rules to a set of traditions and morality and we we'll forbid you if you change any of that We've reduced God down to a convenient genie and a bottle there to meet our wishes or an old guy in the sky or just a nice teacher who will say yes to any choices you make. And yet, our God is none of those caricatures and what we are a part of is so much more. And Asbury reminds us of that. As does Paul's passage before us today because in this prayer that he prays for the ephesians that he gets to after culminating in a couple of chapters of of teaching and of sharing his journey he shows us that there is much more to being a christian than we maybe ever thought more freedom more purpose more life more hope and something that these hundred thousand and more people have experienced and something we too can share in Our passage today began with these words, For this reason I kneel before the Father. And if you were paying attention to Donald last week as he unpacked those treasures, you'll see that the start of his passage began with some very similar words for this reason. Paul was about to launch into this prayer but then got diverted for, for 13, 12, 13 verses there. But he comes back to it now. And so what is this reason that brings him to pray in the first place? Because that is going to be crucial for us. It's this, the end of chapter 2, where he says, You are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit this is what has brought about paul's prayer this is the reason that prompted him and what he writes here is about christian identity he's been talking about the purposes of god which jesus came to fulfill and made possible through his life through his death through his resurrection and now by ascending to the right hand of the father and sending the spirit these can be known and realized in our day This is the identity of anyone who calls themselves a Christian. They are citizens of the kingdom of God, members of the family of God. A holy temple, a place where where praise and offerings and sacrifice, where where adoration is meant to rise to the Father, to be a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. But Paul knows no one can live out that identity without help. We saw back in chapter 2 how our nature is so wayward. And so if we are to live out this identity, this calling, we need God's help. We cannot do it on our own strength. And so he prays. For this reason, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you may have power... To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul prays for power. He mentions it twice. He says, "I pray that you may be strengthened with power. That strengthen is to be reinvigorated, to be reinforced with an inner strength that is not of your own." Because, friends, if we try and live out our Christian identity, if we try to live up to the purposes of God in our own strength, we will fail. We will become, most likely, burnt out. We'll become disillusioned with God. We'll become resentful, I would think. And so he prays. He prays for power because this Christian life we're called to cannot be done in our own strength. And so he prays. But from praying for power, he prays this so that there might be two changes in a Christian's life. And the first change is this. He prays for power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if we've been paying attention to our teaching over Ephesians, then we'll know that this is a bit weird sounding. Because back in earlier chapters, we saw that Jesus already dwells in our lives. That we're united with jesus and so this sounds a little bit odd why do we need to pray for christians to have power so that christ dwells in our hearts through faith because he already does but here my experience of the recent israel and palestine trip helps a little bit not so much in the sites that we visited in bits and pieces We'll get to that eventually we're planning to share with you in a couple of sundays time about that impact but just on a very surface level issue we traveled to three or four different places around the the country and we stayed a couple of nights in a hotel here and a couple of nights in a hotel there and eventually we ended up in a couple of nights in an apartment in tel aviv we were lodging we were doing a bit of a pit stop tour and staying a night here and a night there just to Taken as much as possible and we so look forward to sharing that with you but to dwell in your hearts through faith is not that kind of staying it's not a lodging it's not a pit stop paul is talking here about a dwelling where jesus resides where he settles down where he feels at home what he's getting at is about the lordship of jesus That if we are to live out this Christian identity then increasingly our lives must come under the lordship of Jesus. That he is made at home in our lives and he is king increasingly over every aspect of our lives. It's a struggle that we all face. Paul knew it himself. He writes in Romans 7 of that struggle. Of how sin so regularly wants to lead us away from our purpose, from our true identity. And yet, we have a power available to us to shape us, to change us, that we might walk more truly to who we are through Jesus. So that Jesus is Lord not only in principle, but in reality in our lives. And so friends, do you recognize that need for power? It is one of the the hallmarks uh, often in revival, in times of revival, that there's a great increase in holiness, of desire to walk in the ways of the Lord. And, And certainly that is some of the testimony we're hearing from Asbury. But do you know it for your own life? Do you know that you can't live this Christian life in your own strength? That it's not about striving. It's not about trying harder that is a a wrong version of Christianity. That is not what we're called to. You're called to something else. And maybe we get into a a, a wrong idea about what it means to follow Jesus because our ideas about God are wrong. We think, as I said at the start, that God is an old guy in the sky or, or that he's so just distant from everyday life that he gave lots of teaching, but, well don't know god to be present well paul reveals that god is ready he's ready to be present in your life he's ready to be active and to shape your life if we will but ask if we will but pray paul reveals a god who is ready to help us live in greater freedom and greater purpose and truer to our identity than we've ever lived up till now if we will but ask so friends we need to be asking we need to be praying this you might pray at home individually on your morning as you get up in the day i think it was john stop who before he would go for his shower or anything as soon as his feet hit the floor this christian pastor pastor and writer would stop to pray And he would pray right there and then before he did anything else for God's help in the day. But maybe in our fellowship groups, in our book groups, in whatever groups we form, we might make sure that there's space to pray, to pray for God's power to be at work in us. We've got times of prayer on a Sunday morning at 10.15, on a Thursday evening online at 8.15, Join us for these times of prayer that we might pray and ask for God to help us live true to who we are, that we might come under the lordship of Jesus evermore and so lift up his name. We don't have to wait for a revival like aspirate to come along because as we read in an earlier passage, we have access to the Father now through Jesus by the Spirit. And so let's pray now and every day to receive God's power that we might live true to our identity. Yet Paul's writing here reveals a second reason to ask for power, the power of the Spirit. Another change that needs to happen in all of us. And so he writes, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power... To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul really does have a way of writing some very deep things in so few words, and it really takes time just to pick apart what he's getting at, and his prayers are no different. Here he's saying, that he knows that these Ephesian Christians are rooted and established in love. He knows that they know God's love already in some measure. After all, he's reminded them, because surely they know already about the forgiveness they've received from God. That was an outworking of his love. He reminds them, too, of the reconciliation between Jew and Gentile, which again is an outworking of God's love. And yet, his prayer is saying... There's more. There's more to know. There's more to live out. And so he prays for power. He prays for power to grasp the width, length, height, depth of the love of Christ, the, the all encompassing dimensions of Christ's love. He prays for power to try so that they might know more of that, comprehend more of that, because we can't do it on our own. But it is also a love that surpasses knowledge and that can actually mean two things first of all it's a it's maybe a, a knowing a love that is beyond our full understanding like there's always more to know you can never get your head fully around it it could be that kind of surpassing knowledge but also it could and this is contradictory it could also be a knowing that is beyond head knowledge to become heart knowledge after all in romans 5 verse 5 paul says that the love of god has been poured into our hearts by the holy spirit and so that would resonate with this passage too that god by his spirit can help us understand more of the love of god so that yes we know more in our heads but so that it also translates down into our hearts and that would be very fitting with what comes next. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that idea of being filled to the fullness of God is about taking on the character of God. As Paul will say in the next couple of chapters in verse chapter 5, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Jesus is our benchmark of love, of what it looks like to love. And so we are to measure up to that benchmark increasingly. We have to grow in our love. We have to grow in the character of God so that we love more fully and we begin to take on more of the love of God. It's something that is echoed in other scriptures like Matthew 5 where Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Or First Peter chapter 1, where Peter says, be holy as God is holy. And So Paul prays that we might receive power to know more of the love of God, that we then might have that knowledge translate from our heads to our hearts and so change our character and how we love. Because Christian living centers on God's love. It depends on you knowing God's love but it's not just for you to know it, it's for you to show it as well and so we need to pray for power to know and to show that love and this shouldn't really be surprising to us. After all, it's the Spirit who reveals the deep things of God, Paul says. It's the Spirit who renews our minds. It's the Spirit who leads us into all truth. It's the Spirit who opens the Scriptures to us. It's the Spirit who conveys the voice and the heart and the presence and the involvement of God to us in a direct and personal way. All this the Spirit wants to bring in our lives so that we know the love of God and show that love of God and I think there's both a personal and a corporate need for this. I look at my own life. I look at my own life and I see all the ways that I need to still grow in the love of God. I do not fully show the love of God. I'm sure none of us do. And so we need to grow in that. We need to understand more and then show more. I, I was recently hurt by a friend and I just wanted to pull back from that friend because of the hurt. They, they hadn't done something that was so terrible that it would be right to break the relationship. But this friend had hurt me. And my natural inclination was just to, to pull back. However, as I dwelt upon the love of God, as God spoke to me and ministered to me, I was able to forgive and to get Past that that hurt to a measure that i wanted to keep the relationship and and seek a reconciliation with them even if it meant that i as the hurt person had to initiate that conversation again i i wouldn't have been able to do that on my own strength i was churning up inside i just wanted to withdraw but by the spirit's help that relationship has been maintained and And is better now than it was. And I'm sure there are ways in your life that you need God's help as well so that your life centers more and more on the love of God. But what about on a corporate level? What about us together as a church family? How are we to show greater love? Well, you can pick up on a number of themes that Irene prayed, actually. You could pick up on the gender-based violence of understanding that, not only how to care and respond, but actually understanding why is this existent in our society at all? What are the underlying causes of that? And, and what's the part that I play in that? Because actually we all do play a part in that. Maybe that's something we need to, to lean into, learn about, come along to one of the training courses on. However, in my preparation this week, I was mindful of ...of three things I guess I, I was thinking about in this regard. Because when I was thinking about how to unpack this and and apply this... ...I guess I started thinking more about well, what would it look like... ...for the church family to more fully show the love of God. What should that look like as we mature over the years... ...and as we grow in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. And so I thought about, well... Surely there would be care of one another. And even greater care of one another than we know just now. That we would be there for one another. And involved with one another. And journeying with one another through the highs and the lows. But eventually in a church family, especially if you're a reasonable sized church family, you can't know everybody. And so we end up putting systems and structures in place. And quite often, sadly... We end up delegating care of one another to others. We think, well, the elders will do it. Or the pastoral group and leaders will do it. Or the minister or the pastoral assistant or the pastoral care team or the pastoral visitors. They're covering pastoral care. So maybe I don't need to. What What I need is I need pastoral care. And so we end up just being weak in that area or not as full of God's love as we might have been. And for the, the, the Kirk session, I'm going to bring, bring in some of those thoughts as we review pastoral groupings. And I don't know if that will lead to change, but my inclination is that something does need to change. That we are not as fully loving of one another as we might be yet. And maybe our systems is what is holding us back from realizing that. But I think also if you're, if you're loving and growing in love for one another as, as we are meant to be as a church family, then it will be seen in how we serve one another, of how we give ourselves to one another. So are you serving in some way in the church family, in our purposes, in what we do together? Imagine if in my own family with Hope, my daughter, imagine if I said to Hope, well, Hope, I've got time to help with your homework this week. Uh, but I can't do it for another two months. Like, you start raising questions about my parenting, right? And it is good to have a balance in life. And so we do try and enable that through various rotas and such like. But, but I wonder if growing in love for one another means that we are regularly involved in the life of the church beyond a sunday in some way shape or form i'm not saying you should be involved every night of the week and all your waking hours outside of work i'm not saying that but we should be involved in some shape or form and it shouldn't just be now and again when we've got time because we're all busy we've all got careers or family needs or the need for recreation but if we're growing in the love of god if this is really our church family and if we want to be true to the promises that we've all made in some shape or form like jamie and Catherine, then we should be involved we should be able to say well We know this is what I do. This is where I serve. This is where I care for the family or where I share with the family in making known the love of God. So what are you doing? What does that look like in your life? And that touches on the final final example is that as we grow in the love of God, I think there should be an increasing desire for others to know that love and that there would be a church here that shares the love of God for generations to come. Surely, if we're maturing in love, we'd want to see that. And that should also mean we're willing to change. That we're willing to change anything other than the essentials. Because our heart is to love others, not to hold on to what we're comfortable with. Not to hold on to what we want. And that applies to me as much as to anybody of any age. Because I think we sort of take it for granted that we think that there will be always a church here in Brighton. But if we do not mature in love so that we say, change anything you want other than the very essentials, then in 5, 10, 20 years' time, there won't be a church here in Brighton. Look around. Look around at how many people are under 16. Let's pick a number. How many are under 60? Put up your hand if you're under 60. Not very many. Not very many. And if something doesn't radically change, we will be united with someone else. And there won't be a church here. But if we have a maturing love of God in us, then we surely want the church to be more than just about what is comfortable for us. We want there to be a church for the generations to come. We want the 97% of the upper braids who'd have no interaction with church to, to somehow become interested in church, in the life that they can have through God. And so we're willing to change anything that they might know that love. But that's not easy. It's really hard because it gets to things that are very personal and comfortable and the things we're used to and so we need to pray this prayer to pray for love to know more of the love of god and for that knowledge to move from our head to our heart that it changes how we live and the things that we hold on to that we might then share that love with others paul's nearly finished his first half of the letter He's got more things to say and we're not going to get into chapters 4 to 6. Maybe another time. But for now, he concludes with these final verses. To him who is able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's Paul's heart. His heart is for God to be honoured and God to be glorified. He ends with praise as he started with praise. And that should be the heart of all of us too. That our lives would be to the glory of God. And made possible because we're part of what Jesus is doing. Made possible because the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives and is ready to be involved in ever greater ways in our life. Just as Paul reminds us here at the end of chapter 3. And as we round up this, this series in Ephesians today, I think God wants to end with an invitation. An invitation to allow him in in a fresh way, in a new way. Maybe in a way you've never done before. to An invitation to ask him for power. An invitation alternatively in chapter one to ask him for wisdom and revelation because that is what the spirit gives as well so that you might know God and the hope we have through Jesus I think today there's an invitation for us all and that applies whether you're in a good place or a bad place whether you are delighting in God and God seems near then pray for that power that you might know the love of God and show that in ever increasing ways and so bring glory to God. Or if you're in a hard place and you're struggling with stuff, you may be stuck in a pattern or sin or there's a, a, some, something that you're hurt over and you need to forgive someone, then, then ask for God's power. Or whatever it might be, wherever we might be in that spectrum of experience, I think all of us need to be asking for his power and for the spirits filling in our lives and so today once more i'm going to give us the opportunity to respond we're going to have prayer ministry and there'll be uh, a number of folk uh, at the front and upstairs as well who wear these these blue lanyards, saying prayer team there'll be four people down here and two upstairs over in this corner Ideally we like praying in pairs uh, unless the demand is high and the opportunity is to respond to that invitation today to say yes I want God's help, I want God's power, I want the Spirit's presence in my life to lead me in these ways. There's also the opportunity, should you wish, to be anointed with a bit of oil. Just to have a bit of oil placed on your forehead in a shape of a cross. And alternatively, you might not want prayer, but you might just want to come and be anointed with oil today. That's also an option. Each pair in the prayer team will have some oil. And you might just want to come forward and say, I'd like to be marked with oil. And we will simply do that if that is of interest to you. Because we need to respond. It wasn't enough for me as I struggled with that hardship of that friend who hurt me, just to to think about what I knew from the Bible. I actually, to move beyond it, had to articulate something. I needed to pray. I needed to praise. I wouldn't have moved into greater love without responding. And so I encourage you this morning to come out for prayer. Come out and ask for God's Spirit to be at work in your life. We're going to sing Breathe On Me Breath Of God. We'll stand to sing it together during this time of prayer ministry. If we have a great demand and we need a bit more time, then uh, we will repeat the song a second time. Should we still have demand after that, we will move into our final hymn. But the prayer ministry can continue during that final hymn. So let's stand to sing and to pray.